Welcome to the Initiative Podcast, helping you to change your culture, change your city, and change the world. We hope you enjoyed today's topic, and if you have any questions, feedback, or want to suggest a future conversation, feel free to reach out to us via social media or at hey at initiativenetwork.org. We got an email from a pastor, and he asked a question. He asked five questions. One of the questions that I think uh, I've never really talked to millennials about, and uh, the question is, what are the current or coming trends that we need to be aware of if we want to be a millennial-reaching church? That's a good question. You know, I have been talking to the girl I disciple a lot about some different trends. She's actually homeschooled. And so it's interesting because she's not, you know, daily walking through hallways like I was when I was in high school. And when I talk to her, she talks about social media in a way that is foreign to me. And I feel like I grew up in a very social media, uh, concentrated time. I mean, social media was huge when I was growing up, but the way that she talks about it is so different. And, um, I think it's really interesting to see how much of an influence on image social media has, but how much, um, from a Christian girl, you know, a wise Christian girl's perspective, she really desires for that image to be whole and pure and lovely, you know, scripturally, but it's still such a weighty, um, image that she presents through her social media. And so, I think it's interesting to leverage that in the way that we communicate and especially in the way that we communicate about social media, because in my experience, um, when, you know, generations that haven't been as influenced by social media speak to me about social media, it's like, it's awful. It's terrible. It's, you know, we got to do away with it. Um, which I understand in, in a, you know, a small aspect, but long-term social media is a reality. How do we leverage it for good rather than, uh, say that we have to do away with it because we're kind of too deep into it. What do you guys think? Have you heard, um, about somebody leveraging it in a good way? Okay, so like on the social media thing, I think because the social media, which is stronger now than it was when we grew up, uh, and it's only like five years. Oh, I Okay, so we have talked about this, but we haven't really, really, really talked about this uh, formally, I guess, is I think because of social media, the coming trend in the young adults, and it's very good for pastors and churches to be aware of, uh, is that we're very uh, prone to comparison, I think, more than any other generation before, personally. 
I would say, in fact, when I see this question, like, what are coming trends and the church should be aware of to be a millennial reaching church, I think comparison is really big, and I think community is really big. Community is, like, not a shocker, but there is something significant the church should know about it, and we can come back to it later. But why I say comparison is we've all talked about, like, and I was talking to uh, a young adult yesterday that just started an organization, and she's talking about all the criticism that she's getting, and it's all coming only from young adults. It's not coming from, in fact, all her support, her encouragement, her her keep going, keep doing it, keep following the call that God's got in your life is coming from older people. And the older they are, the more supportive they are. And we've encountered the same thing. It's like, it's the people that are our own age and that have always known us have been the ones that tend to not understand like, hey, why why this? Or they just have the, mo- the most questions or concerns or uh, maybe even sometimes it could seem like it's doubts. While the older generation, the pastors, the leaders, the nonprofit leaders, all those guys, uh, the parents, they're like so ecstatic about it, so supportive. Um, I was in a room last night with a, a lot of people that were older, and they were so, so, so encouraged, go out of their way to let me know what God's doing through this group is so encouraging to them. Um, and I think, why is that? Because I don't think it's just that, oh, young adults just have different hearts and they're negative. I think what's different is the whole term keeping up with the Jones is a term that's an old term. Um, and I think it's the same term today, but back then to try to keep up with the Jones would be like, I would assume you come home and you see like the next door neighbor has a new car right. or they're moving into a new house. Um, or you come over and they have uh, some a new thing in their house that you don't have. Uh, but it's when you're invited over or you can glimpse into their life. Right. While now, because of social media, you get to see everything. Like from the new thing that you just got to the new place that you're going to you hanging out with your friends, like every facet of your life that is good. And this isn't a like, oh, people only post the best things. I don't even like that. Like if y'all remember when Facebook first started, everyone used to be like really honest. It was like their journal. Right. It was real negative, And people were like, oh, I can go on Facebook and see negative stuff. We've talked about that. Like that's so dumb. People always like, oh, people only show the f- fake stuff. Like we want them to just start saying negative things. Then people would be complaining about that too. Right. I don't care. Like why would I want to always post negative things? So it's not that argument. It's just that the reality is I think young adults get to see each other's lives more than ever because of social media, Snapchat, Twitter. to like interesting. Periscope that just came out, it's like live, real time. Like It real notifies time. me right now saying, hey, right now they're recording what they're doing at this very moment, That's and you really can watch it. So you can see into people's lives exactly at the moment. So when you're at home at night, and it's a Friday night, and your friends are all posting pictures that night of what they're doing. That wasn't the reality of keeping up with the Jones back 30, 40, even I would say 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, so it's easier to be tempted to be comparative with your own generation, especially when you're struggling with what is God's call in my life. It seems like God's call in their life is working, and they know mm-hmm. what it is, but I don't know about me. So I, it's reasonable, but it is something to uh, – I've come to the conclusion is we just we're, we see it more, so we it's easier to be tempted into comparison. You know, I want to shift and then talk about another trend that's taking place right now, and want to hear your thoughts on this as well. But it really 
is surrounded by community. I think this generation, we're seeing things pop up all over the country with shared workspace. Yeah. Uh, not only that, That's but true. then you have Airbnb, which people are opening up their homes That's because true. this generation is not one to go out and rent a hotel room when they can go and have more of a, a homey, authentic right. setting. But here in Dallas, we have things like the Grove and the Deck and, and different things like that. But you see, you go to Austin, there's just different places where even the restaurants here, we're starting to see that young people love sitting at a table with a complete stranger. They're more family-style settings. And yeah. it's interesting because I think this generation just loves community so much. So this is a new trend where we're not so siloed into – just being independent and alone and by ourselves, we like to work with others. We like for there to be a little noise in the background. That's I mean, good. You know? It's good. Like even on the point of us, so we're looking for a workspace right now. And some, one of the spaces we looked at, they were showing us like, they call it designated desk. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of like, we don't want those designated desks. It looks like a, that cubicle turns us off. Yeah. My face to the wall. No, no exactly. You. That's what it is. It's like you get this desk, and what's in front of you, it literally is a wall. And I'm like, why would any of us want to look at a wall? And I guarantee day? you, Grant, right now, somebody is listening to us saying, hey, I work in that space. <laughs> no. And I wish my boss understood exactly what we yes. feel. No, someone's like listening to this right now while they're looking at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you please tell my boss this? Tell them that we want an open space while they're looking at the Instagram of other people that are in a co-working oh, space. My <laughs> so why do you think that is like, why do you think we want open space like that? <laughs> I know the obvious answer is I don't want to stare at a wall, but, <laughs> but what is it? Right. I mean, I think it puts everything that we're saying together in that we are generation that craves community and we crave that, that collaboration and that community I think for, well, I would say for two reasons. Um, one is we, I mean, naturally these things that are coming up, these co-working spaces, and even the intimacy of social media, oh, I can know if she had a bad day and why she had a bad day or why, you know, how the Lord is working. That's a very intimate view yeah. into people's lives. Absolutely. And so we want to be part of that. We see it. And so we want to be part of it. Same thing with work. We're inspired by other world changers or other people that do what we do. So we want to be collaborative because it's like, you're doing really cool things. And selfishly, I want to be part of it. And I'm doing cool things too that you should be yeah. part of. That's collaboration. And then number two, I would say is, we're coming from generations of where, you know, you read in the textbooks, you read, you know, in books, we're not necessarily known for collaboration. That is a very Eastern culture thing. Um, the, the Western culture is very much individualized yeah, and yeah. I care about, and so we're a generation that's like, we want to be world changers. Not only that, but we want to do it together. Right. We can't do it alone. That. Yeah. And you see that in the church. You see that in the secular world. You see, I mean, collaborative movements and... I well, mean, call me crazy, but God calls us to be relational beings. And I think us looking at our parents, I see them going to work and yeah. there's nobody around for them to talk to. And I feel like that generation almost really missed out in a sense because... I really see the value in being able to come together and collaborate. I think even in elementary school, middle school, high school, we're taught to do things on our own. But when you really get in the real world, you find yourself quite often having meetings and you're coming together and you're collaborating. 
I think this generation is like, let's tear those walls down. Let's try something new. Like, let's, let's work together. I think God really did create us to be relational. I mean, look, community here is so solid in the West. You mentioned, and you've, you've lived, I mean, little known fact about Chelsea is Chelsea tells quickly where you came from before you came here, but you saw something different, I'm sure, that you see here in the West. Yeah, I grew up in Bangkok, Thailand, and so I, think that's so I cool. was very much a part of a culture that wanted community, that wanted, you know, just what what we're talking about. They want to work together. They want to stay and live with their families. And it's honorable to stay and live with your family and, um, take care of, you know, the, the matters of the home and, and take care of your community and your neighborhood. And, uh, that's, that was very much the focus. Absolutely. And so it is interesting to see kind of that shift, um, and to grow up with it. You know, when, how this relates to the church, the number one trend when pastors usually do ask me this that I've said I've noticed I still don't know what how to put my finger on it but I would say I've just seen it so much in the last year especially is and it's tied to this community and wanting to be together is um millennials across the nation as I've gone to like more of the major cities they all flock to like what I'll call it the big three or the big five. I was just about to mention that. Major yeah. mega churches that all the young adults go to. Every major city seems to have it. Like ask the Christians in that area, where do the young adults go? And they'll say blank, blank, and blank. That church, that church, and that church. Um, it's it's usually around three to five churches. Well, this year I'm seeing so many people leaving those churches, those big ones that all the young adults are still at. So they right. are they do have community, I guess. Among, like, because there are many, 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 many young adults there, dominated by young adults, but they're leaving those churches. And every time I'm like, "Whoa, you're leaving that church that everyone goes to? Why are you leaving? And where are you going?" Uh, they're usually leaving because in going to some small church that I've not normally heard of, or it's not normal for a young adult to go to. It's not. It's a very rare church to hear a young adult say, "I'm going to go to this church." Um, and then why is? I, from my experience, have never heard it not be this because I just couldn't connect at the big church, which is interesting because it definitely had young adults. Like, they want to be among their own generation, but it seems that these guys, it's not worth it to be surrounded by young adults but not be known and not know anyone and not be an authentic community. And there's a perception that if I go to a smaller church, uh, that I'll find that there. Uh, even yesterday, it's yeah. Yesterday, with uh, Monica, she left a very, very large church to go to a smaller church that uh, you guys wouldn't even know. And, uh, and let's, let's talk about the why some more. That. Let's talk about the why some more to draw that out. And in having that discussion, was there was there really that community aspect to it? Like, I just want that smaller, more intimate, authentic relationship with people. Or what? Why do you think that is? Like, what was it that? What do you think is causing young I adults think, to say, I want to go to a small church? I think it's the struggle of we want good teaching and we want to be where young people are. I also think no, most young people don't say this, but I think they want to get married. Yeah. So they want to be where there's potential young people that they can marry. And that's not going to be at a smaller church usually, especially the ones that young adults don't go to. And then also, but... I think that they want those to, the good teaching. They want what seems to be community, but 
at the end of the day, I think you could show up every Sunday, and eventually, if you realize all I'm doing is learning or hearing a guy speak and not really talking to anyone, I'm like in the door, out the door, eventually that wears on a person. I've seen it happen time and time again to so many young adults that go to these churches that well, I love the preaching. I don't know where else I'll find it. Uh, but it wears on them because they're not involved. They're not plugged in. And a lot of them even have tried to get plugged in. They've tried to get involved, and it's just really, really hard. Yeah. So I think that's what wears on them is that it's, the, it's this false sense of community, but you don't yeah. actually have community. Yeah. You're not known, and you have sincerely tried. Yeah. You know, I want to talk about a third trend that I think is out there. And I think if you're a pastor, if you're listening and you're a pastor, you've probably been exposed to some of this information. But there's a dear friend of our ministry named Jim Dennison who talks about there's this mass exodus from more uh, rural areas, and there is this big influx to the urban areas, to That's cities, major true. cities throughout the throughout the country. And it's 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 a it's not just a Western thing. This is a global thing. Yeah. And so some of the things that we need to know is is that millennials prefer to walk. Millennials love to yeah. be in close proximity to where they shop, to where they live, to where they work. And you really find that in major cities. And so we're seeing this new trend where young adults, they want to be where there's a lot of people. And keeping on the community piece, yeah. they love being around people. They love being in busy coffee shops to work. They love working with people they can actually see and not be in that cubicle we were talking about. But they also love being around a bunch of people. Yeah. And it was funny because when we went to New York, somebody said, Man, I love walking, and I'm sure to the people of New York, they're like, "Well, welcome to our world." But to us here in Texas, like we we take a car <laughs> everywhere we go. But if you listen to what we were saying, we would actually sell our car and walk yeah. six miles a day to work one direction and come yeah. back. It's interesting how compared to my parents who would would die if they had to walk that far, that we actually love that stuff. So I, I want to talk about how young adults love moving into big cities. Yeah. But the other thing is that places like Denton, Texas, where we are about to put another initiative branch, praise God. There are a lot of college students who are graduating from their college towns, but they're plugging in and staying in the city, and they really want to be involved in that city. So I think that's interesting compared to the previous generation. I still feel like, because Denton, Denton is a small, but it's still a city. I still, yeah. I still It's a small town that has still a city. Uh, on that, I think by and large, like the mega churches and the big churches and the the churches that tend to podcast maybe a little bit more, they tend to be in the suburbs. Yeah. Even when I went to uh, Chicago, I went to, so I went to Willow Creek. I have, since I was sixteen, I read a Bill Hybels book. I loved it. it was just walk across the room. I loved it. it so shifted the trajectory of how I saw I still evangelism. Get that book, man, you talk about this book a lot. I got to get that book. So since I'm sixteen, I've always thought, man, Bill Hybels is like inner city Chicago, it's reaching Chicago, and I go, and it's an hour away from downtown Chicago. <laughs> and but that's not, I that's not a that shouldn't have surprised me because when I think of Dallas churches, when people say Dallas, I think of like, like for example, the Village main campus. For anyone that comes and thinks. It's in Dallas. It's, it's like 45 minutes from Dallas. Um, even I started thinking of like a gateway is a large church that's known in this city, but it still is even farther than the village from downtown Dallas. So a lot of ch- churches that um, are, I guess, larger or well-known, they tend to be outside the city. Now, why I've found out or I've started to learn is just you can't buy a large amount of space in downtown. Uh, it's not that they don't want to be there. It's that 
space is in the suburbs. So here's why that matters. Is in the suburbs, I feel like are a certain type of young adult, and I would label them disgruntled young adults. Why disgruntled? On two like, ways. On two that? ways. They're either going to be, in my experience, one of these two type of disgruntled young adults. Um, except for Gateway. Gateway has some awesome, they love living in the suburbs. But seriously, the young adults that I know in that, that area, like Gateway has created a great culture for young adults that are totally cool with living in the suburbs. But every other church has, is sincerely struggling. Like It will be huge numbers when it comes to the big church. But when you look at um, the young adult ministry, it is profoundly small compared to that. And it's because it's in the suburbs. And I think because they're disgruntled either one way, they're either just got out of high school, uh, wanted to go to college. All their friends went to some major colleges that they've always dreamed of. And for some reason, they couldn't afford it, couldn't go, didn't get accepted. Uh, so they, Or they just need to go to community college first in, in town. So all their friends, and it's the dream. It's like, man, senior year, just graduated. All my friends are now, again, comparison, posting all these pictures, talking about how they're going to these yeah. other colleges, and you are staying right at home with mom and dad going to a community college, which has no community because it's a transitional type of yeah. place. So you're lacking those two big things of community and you're getting comparison. Uh, so they're disgruntled. They live at home with their parents. They're still at church with that they grew up in possibly their whole life or for a couple years. And if you're if they don't have a strong young adult ministry, which they tend to not in the suburbs, you have to just go to big church on Sunday, which coming out of a great strong community in high school ministry to what seems to not be a strong community in Sunday only church that is a hard transition yeah. that's very that lonely. to the whole thing of the need for community, needing to be around people. Yeah. No. That makes it difficult on and young adults. And it's fascinating because it, it, it speaks to our generation all the more because everything that you're saying is so true. And I want to fight for those people and be like, but that's not bad. It's not bad to do the community college before the big college yeah. it's not bad yeah, to absolutely. find a job and and work at home and save like yeah. that's not bad at all but that's not our generation's american dream that's right. our that's american dream is world changing our american dream is city changing and our vision is so much different it's no longer a beautiful red brick house with a white picket fence and that's so different and that i think is why i don't know our desires have shifted our uh, perspectives have shifted and and ultimately why these trends are so impactful and will be so helpful for churches to to know about and to speak into yeah and for the type a people that are like oh you said two types and you only said one i know you guys are like oh, i gotta hear the second type um, the other kind is someone that has then maybe they got the, I like what you're calling like the millennial American dream. They got it. They got, they went to college. They did all that, but they even got their education. They just didn't get a job afterwards, which is a very popular uh, outcome for a lot of people that are going to college in our generation. So then, and this is studies have already shown a lot of increase in people graduating college and then moving straight back with their mom and dad. So then, again, they're back in the suburbs and all their other friends did get a job, um, and they're now posting pictures of their cool new architect job or whatever job they may have got that's 
usually in the city, their new apartment, all that stuff. And again, you're back at home at the place that you only know because of when you grew up in high school. And you're safe. maybe your community actually now is the kids that didn't go to college and they stayed for community right. college. And you have the education and you're in the same place. That it's it's these aren't things of they're not actually bad, but in your mind when you're wanting to you have a thing in your mind set with expectations and they were unmet, then it leads to frustration. Well, and, I, and I'll say this too, though. But the thing is, is you look at the millennial generation, it is comprised of the largest population, I believe, right now in the world. But I read a survey or a, a result of some sort of poll, and it says that 80% of all millennials feel like their calling in this lifetime is to change the world. Now, how are we going to do that when we're living in mom and dad's house in the suburbs? With all, We feel like the rest of our friends are out in the world changing the world right now. And I think that goes back to you saying it there's this frustration that begins to to build in us but also then we we show up to our local church and then we see that there's maybe just a small handful of young adults and a lot of them don't have the same story uh that we have and we want to relate but the community's not there and so this this really is uh, something that we need to be aware of as the church if they're listening. So what do you all think? You're a pastor, and you're here, and you get it, and you even see it. Like People's names and their stories are coming to mind if you're in that kind of church. What do you do to circumvent this? I think it's important to see, see the millennials as individuals and not always speak to young adults as a generation, but to see individuals in your ministry, whether it's small or whether it's huge, to be able to say, okay, if you are in that suburb, are the people there disgruntled or are they, I mean, cause you can't just blanket statement yeah, yeah. over the entire right. millennial generation that they want the millennial dream versus, you know, the couple years back, American dream. So to really be able to see them as individuals, okay, what, what is it that you want that we can help give you? And if they are that millennial that has to be stuck in the suburbs, then give them something to run with in the church. Let them create a program. Let them be a world changer in the world that they're in right now. Local missionary speak that to yeah. them and empower them to be an entrepreneur in their own church. And if they're the one that is pleased, you know, then provide them stability and provide them comfort that it's okay that they don't desire that millennial dream. Give them the assurance that they are where they're supposed to be and that it's okay that they're not running hard being an entrepreneur. Right. And that stability that you're talking about, actually, I feel personally comes in the form of ownership because we've attained a degree. So we feel like we've checked that box off. We may be looking for a job. We're in the midst of transition. We feel like we're going to be in this community for a while. Well, I'm going to have lots of time on my hands. Maybe not, but for the most part, I want to own something. I am so hungry to do something. And if I'm stuck in the suburbs, which if there's, par <laughs> if there's parents listening to this, we are not knocking the suburbs at all. What we are saying is there's a young adult who wants to be around a bunch of other young adults who are changing the world together. And all I'm saying is, is that I think the church's stance should be, then let's provide a space and a place during our meetings. We need to create something within our schedule to have young adults come in and say, I want to give you this. And it's got to be greater. 
It's got to be greater than parking ministry. It has got to be greater than handing out pamphlets. Now, there is nothing wrong with that in itself. But what I am saying is these people who want to change the world, they want to do it, and it has to be in, in a bigger role and trust them. So that would be my, my honest thing is this, you have got to create some sort of process within your church that empowers these people. And you say, you own this. Train them and then let them go. See what happens. So to sum this up, a couple trends, not all the trends, but a couple trends we see is there's a high propensity towards comparison. There's a high desire for sincere community. Uh, what you're talking about is there's, there's a desire to be known as an individual and not be cast as a group, which I think is really true because I know how they separate millennials from or just generations in, in general is by the life experiences that they had that are different than others. And I just think there's so many that have happened a lot in the last couple of years that make our generation like a shorter span than the ones prior. Uh, even this next one coming up of being able to grow up like with an iPad and iPhone and all technology all the time, never know anything else is different than us. Uh, and it's like the generation where if you see a grandma all the time, like learning how to use an iPhone or iPad from like a two year old kid or three year old kid that knows how to use it, which is crazy to me. Uh, even me, and I know it's got to be even crazier to the people <laughs> older than us. So um, all that to say, uh, these are some of the trends, but you just hit on something about young adults want to change the world and make it larger than the parking team and handing out pamphlets and a lot of the things that are just necessary to run a Sunday morning. So on the next podcast, we're going to discuss another question the same pastor has, as he says, basically that question. He said, I realize young adults want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. But how do we get them practically plugged into the necessary things that have to happen to practically to run a church? So thank you guys. Good talking to you That's all. Great. And we will continue in the next podcast answering that question. Thank you.